0: Welcome to this episode of CTU Speaks: Safety and Staffing. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers. I'm your co-host Jim Staros, and I'm joined with
1: Andrea Parker.
0: All right, Miss Parker, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. All things considered, Happy New Year to you.
0: Happy New Year to you, too. It's been a long time since we've been here doing this, doing our thing.
1: It has. And I just want to apologize to our listeners. We promise you that we're going to become more consistent, and we're going to be a great source of information for teachers and our union and families and the community of the city of Chicago.
0: Yes, we will. We're going to be doing a lot better with this, and I totally blame Ms. Barker for this. It's been entirely her fault, 100%.
1: I get blamed for everything, so I can take it. That's why my skin is so thick.
0: Well, that's good to know. I'll keep that in mind for future mocking on the show. Okay, All that's right. fine. So, what else has been going on with you, Miss Parker? I know we're uh, we're teaching in a pandemic, so that must be fun.
1: Oh, uh, it's always fun. It's always new adventures, you know, teaching with masks on, staying socially distant you know, saying, you know, you can't come too close. And, you know, mm-hmm. instead of saying, be quiet, you know, you got to say, pull your mask over your nose. But, oh, you know, yes. it is what it is. What 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 can you do?
0: I know it's, you know, teaching in the best of circumstances is always a challenge. And this is so much more than anybody can really handle in reality. And CPS just makes it so much more difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And instead of being ridiculed and criticized and judged, by our efforts teachers need to be praised for all our efforts and going in and sacrificing our yeah. lives every single day to teach children to better themselves but of course we always criticize we always say that we're bougie we snobby we don't want to work and we work so hard but we never get the recognition that we deserve
0: you know everybody's got stresses at their work and i totally understand that yes but you know it's it's so different having you know 20 or 30 little ones in the class. And depending on your classroom, they're little or bigger. Absolutely. And they've all got their social and emotional needs and you've got to handle that and yours and perhaps the an administrator who's trying to be a particular pain in the butt and a district who's definitely a pain in the butt with a mayor who's even bigger than that. It's too much. We, You know, teachers, we need a hug. Can we get a hug? I want yeah, a hug. Yeah, virtual a, hug. Virtual hug. Because anyway, do do? taking a look at what we've been going through the last few months, you know, I was just thinking about it today, because you know, today we're recording this on the uh, 31st of January, Yeah. and it seems like we've gone through six months since the beginning of the year already, doesn't it? It's and, so much. Uh, I don't so know. So much and,
1: safety concerns, and that's yeah, what we're going to talk
0: about today. Safety concerns, and we've got some great guests today. We've got Jen Johnson, our chief staff, and mm-hmm. we've got um, a substitute, Berman Green, talking about mm-hmm. the issues with these substitutes. And yes, Georgia yes. Waller, who is the liaison for the substitute committee for CTU.
1: Absolutely. A lot of people didn't know that we had such a committee.
0: I, I know. And, and we do. We're definitely we are definitely cover everybody. Everybody.
1: If you are a Chicago Teachers Union
0: member, yep. we got you covered. There's a committee you. you can be a part of. And we should probably throw a shout out to that, too, because we got a ton of committees. And you can find that out on CTULocal1.org slash committee and find out about all kinds of things, including our favorite one, the Public Relations Committee
1: which I am the chair. So if you want to be a part of this podcast or you got some other ways or great ways to communicate with our listeners, hey, bring us your ideas. Join the Polar Relations Communications Committee. It's fabulous.
0: It would be even more fabulous to have you, the listener there, as part of our team. Absolutely. So what else is going on with you, Miss Parker? How's it going at your school?
1: All things considered, Jim, we're working it out, you know, and that's okay. what we do as teachers and students. We work it out. We're still learning. We're still educating. We gotta, you know, be flexible in terms of um, seating arrangements, in terms of lining up, because right. if people don't know. I teach um, middle school um, English language arts, so I teach six okay. seven and eighth. And so, just you know, just making sure we're masked up, making sure that we're still communicating and talking and collaborating, but in a safe manner. Uh, we are. We have been a testing site, so teachers and students have been tested. Uh, we also have been a vaccination site where we have community come in and get vaccinated. And We have all, all the um, vaccines like the Moderna, the Pfizer, as well as Johnson Johnson, the booster shots. Just whatever you need, uh, we've been trying to make it work to make sure that. Our school and our students and our families are in the safest condition possible because we know that we're in a pandemic. There are many things beyond our control, but things that we can control and monitor, which we're, tr- we're trying our best. Teachers, students, families alike.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, and the fact that we had to have this big, long fight yet again. I know. Here. We got to fight about stuff that really should not need to have a fight about. We have to fight to convince the district that we need kid sized masks for people that have kid sized heads. Like, yeah. I don't I don't understand that. I, I mean, unless they think our pre-K students have the most giant heads of any people on the planet, why they think that those regular size masks would be reasonable, that doesn't even make any sense.
1: It doesn't.
0: I mean, I'm not a doctor like that, but, you know.
1: But you are a doctor.
0: Well, I see, that's why I said it like that. I wanted you to put right. like that you know, so I can sound all bad like that. But yeah, I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. How You know, why do we got to keep doing all that kind of stuff? And, you know, this most recent agreement we got it definitely was not everything we deserve or everything we need, but there were some definite wins in there. We're going to be talking about some of those, some of the wins, yes. and some of the—let's go with not so much wins. We're going to talk about that with Jen Johnson coming up in a minute, and she's going to go over that whole agreement and everything that was in it and everything that was not. So it'll be real interesting. It will. So let's get to it, shall we? Let's get to it right now. <laughs> All right, so we're here with our illustrious chief of staff, Jen Johnson from the CTU. She's going to be telling us a little bit about the agreement that we just got with CPS and uh the pros and cons of that, and what we got to look forward to uh in the next coming weeks and months. So, how's it going, Jen?
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been like the busiest January ever, but you know, that's what we do, right? We keep we keep it moving. We we advocate, we stay busy.
1: That's what I say. We are a union that never sleeps. So we know that we have just a little bit of precious time with you. So we thank you so much that you are here with us, T-O-D-A-Y. So with that being said, talk about what's in the agreement. What are the key areas?
2: Yeah. So the safety agreement with CPS has some pretty critical new powers in it. One is that schools have um, clear criteria by which they can vote in their safety committees to go remote for five days. There are thresholds for staff absences due to COVID and then thresholds for student absences due to COVID isolation and quarantine. Um, Right now, we're we're still in the highest level of community transmission according to the CDC, despite the fact that the Omicron surge has lessened. And so if 40% of students are in quarantine or isolation, a school becomes eligible Um, In order to go remote and the school safety committee can vote to do so we've actually had 15 schools just in the last few weeks since the agreement was landed, be eligible, and so far seven of those 15 schools have voted to go remote for five days. Um, critically, we've made significant increases in testing through this safety agreement. So, you know, there were something like 200, some schools that had less than 10% of the students signed up for testing. This agreement requires that the district work with us to actually increase testing across all of our schools so that at least 10% of students are tested weekly in every school. Um, it also preserved higher testing levels at schools that already had reached that mark and surpassed it. And importantly, there are now monetary incentives for our members to contribute to increasing testing. Um, on and on the last day of our remote work action, when uh, students were still not in the school building, which was January 11th, our members did phone banking um, and doubled doubled the number of families signed up for testing. Like wow, that day. And and some schools had been doing work, you know, prior to the winter break as well. So you know, our work pays off. And, and you know, we've only been suggesting that CPS do this for months, but this this agreement finally made it happen. Um, And so now there will be a a bucket that clerks will be able to access so that members can be paid to do phone banking outreach to increase families signed up for COVID testing. Um, And they will be able to be paid from the 11th going forward so they can get paid for the hours that they've already done. If it's to the end of the school year? End of the school year. um, Okay. With the, with the goal of, right, getting to 100% consent in all of our schools so that we can have truly randomized sample testing in all of our schools. And then there will also be a captain um, designated in each school where the person gets a $1,000 stipend in order to do a family outreach around testing and vaccination. I am ready to do that one. Right. I need to be the captain. <laughs>
0: right. Parker, always hustling.
2: That's right. Here's, here's a little tidbit, a little tidbit. CPS said that they will honor school requests for more than one captain. They're Ooh. not going to, yeah, they're not going to make it widely known, but you know, we, we might. Thanks Jen for
0: that know. secret.
2: <laughs> right. Insider information.
0: What about the millions of people that listen to this podcast though? Now they'll know.
2: <laughs> right. right. That's right. That's right. Well, um, I will just say that all of these details, including that little tidbit that, that a school could request a second captain is listed in our implementation chart that we update daily and you can go to ctulocal1.org chart and get up-to-date um, information on all the components of the agreement. Um, there's, there's a few more really critical ones that I want to make sure we hit. Um, we've heard for many months that contact tracing is like almost non-existent in our schools. We've been raising this the, throughout the pandemic. Um, Our agreement allows members now to sign up and be paid the non-instructional rate to do contact tracing for their school community. Um, As of today, CPS has said that 1100 of our members have signed up to do the training, which was just made available. I mean, think of that. Even if we only get half of those people to to end up doing the work, we have just exponentially increased the amount of contact tracing that will be able to occur in our schools. That's really huge. See what happens Um, when CPS works with us. Oh my God, Andrea, exactly. They, we could have had this in the fall had they been smarter, right?
1: Nope.
2: Um, and then the last couple of things are um, school safety committees can vote if they want to reinstate the health screener, like if that's going to help remind parents every day that their child should not come to school whether are symptomatic. The district has to provide KN95 masks to staff and students. It's not going to mean a mask a day, but it does mean periodically you should be able to get masks and students will start to be able to request KN95 masks their school um, as early as this first week of February. We had one mask per week so far. I'll say that. That's not bad. That's not not bad. bad? That's not bad. We should absolutely press at our safety committees to ensure that you're getting something like that a mask a week um, and report to the district safety committee if if your school says we're out of them because CPS keeps saying we've got more in the warehouse. Um, So we we should make that demand. Um, And then for our medically fragile members who cannot be vaccinated, this agreement did secure um, that they can apply right now for an unpaid leave. We know that that's not most people. Um, most of our members are vaccinated and are getting boosted. Um, but for the folks that that can't do that, that was an important win that they be able to take a leave this quarter, just for third quarter.
1: And real quick, Jen, how long is this agreement, this agreement until the end of the school year, until a new variant? How long is this agreement, um, I guess, legal or valid?
2: That's right. This agreement is in place for the remainder of the school year um if if there are new conditions and new issues that arise, the district is going to have to bargain with us. Now, you all know what that looks like. We have to force force them in some instances to bargain with us. um but these these terms that I just described are in place for the remainder of the school year.
0: Yeah, you know that kind of brings us to the next question is like when we when we voted on this, and a lot of people had some issues with the the way it all happened and it seemed to be super rushed. And I know it's, you know, when we got a new variant coming in, uh, you know, we can't plan on that particularly. But this vote in particular was not like regular CTU votes where it's 90% this or, you know, that kind of a thing It was much closer than a lot of the votes in the past. So what do you think that means as far as membership and this agreement?
2: Yeah, I mean, first, I think there's a difference between when we vote to take an action or vote to take a strike, those numbers are always extraordinarily high. Ratification votes have never been quite as high as the actual vote to take the action. So I do want to say that, but you're absolutely right. This agreement um, was solidified by a 55% to 45% threshold. That, that's a low margin for us in CTU. We have become accustomed to lopsided votes because of the um, organizing work that we've all done together. Um, and, and often when we're on, when we've been on strike in the past, we've been able to kind of walk up that mountain and walk back down together. As you already said, Jim, the timeliness of this action was very different, very unusual, right? The surge of Omicron and how it really escalated over the winter break um, made taking action a shortened process, right? We did that over just a few days. Um, and then the fact that the mayor locked us out made even more pr- kind of pressing um, how we were going to land an agreement um, because, you know, we didn't necessarily know if she was going to do that. Um, we, we were successful in closing school buildings, right, during the height of the surge, and ensuring that there would be additional mitigation back in schools when we, when we went back. Um, but this is not the kind of vote people are accustomed to. And I think it reflects that our people deserved more. Um, they understand that some school districts like Los Angeles have a gold standard agreement of safety with their school district, and that they wanted to send a message to the mayor and the school board that they know they, they should have done more and they could do more if they chose to. Um, And we took a stand right to get the basics. We shouldn't have had to do that. It's totally unfair. Um, And we should be proud that we're the only teachers union in the country who took district wide action like this. Literally, we we stuck our necks out where we're, you know, in a difficult situation and we didn't get everything we deserved, but we certainly have more than we did before. Absolutely. Right. And so, you know,
1: our our bargaining is always publicized everywhere. I mean, everybody has to look at it on social media as well. And so some people on social media saying we lost four days of pay in exchange for two masks. Uh, what do you say? How would you respond to
2: that assessment? I can understand, you know, that CPS um, is a boss that breeds that kind of cynicism, right? Because we're we're so used to them, um, you know, ignoring our needs and, and we have to fight for the bare minimums. We still don't have everything we need beyond this pandemic, right? Um, So I can understand the feeling, um, but I think that people have to take kind of a sober assessment of what is in this agreement, right? The fact that seven schools have been able to flip to remote, the fact that we've doubled testing um, in our schools, um, the fact that we have uh, a program where we're gonna exponentially increase the amount of contact tracing in our school buildings. This is not nothing. Um, and these these are things that clearly we should have had, but w- we won them. We won these powers. Um, so I think that we got to demand more than two masks. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got to say we deserve more and we we can't leave what is on the table unimplemented and unenforced. We've got to enforce what we do have because it's it's far more than we had previously. Absolutely.
0: That's definitely true. I think, you know, when we look at, you know, you know all these other districts, um, the ones that have these good agreements. And it's mostly because the mayor doesn't, in those cities, doesn't throw a fit every time the teachers say what we need. There is somewhat of a respect for teachers that they kind of know what's needed in the, in the school buildings. Um, you know, even if there was a mayor who is the greatest mayor ever, they can't know what's going on in all 550 school buildings. You have to trust the people in the buildings. That's true. It's sad that we have a mayor who just flat out doesn't. And it's, it's sad that we have to fight for a mask. We have to fight for testing. We have to fight for contact tracing. That, we, that shouldn't even be a fight. That should be, a, that should be the floor where we start. Um, but unfortunately here, we got to fight for all that stuff. Um, you know, and it, it kind of brings us back to a bigger question we've got um, in the agreement over staffing. Um, staffing and, and substitutes and things like that have been were a problem even pre-pandemic. Right. I don't know. We always had what was like a thousand vacancies across the districts on in general in a regular I don't know if that's the exact even number, though they lay well,
1: off people every year. But right.
0: they, <laughs> yeah, they lay off seven hundred people and then hire yeah, back a true. thousand. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, that math doesn't work out. But you know, let's talk about some of the, the things that were wins for staffing and substitutes in the agreement too, because that was actually a whole page of the agreement was uh, dealing with staffing and subs. So why don't we talk about that for a minute?
2: Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I'll actually remind folks is that in November 2021, we had an agreement around teacher evaluation. And that teacher evaluation agreement actually helped establish um, that the Joint Staffing Committee, which was created in our uh, 2019 contract, would actually have an additional purview over the substitute crisis. And so in November 2021, the Joint Staffing Committee was awarded um, to be able to direct ten million dollars towards improved uh, staffing of our substitute teachers, and so that committee has actually been meeting, um, you know, prior to November, but shifting onto the substitute crisis since November. Um, and have made some improvements in policy. Um, and our legislative and political department continues to advocate for things such as like lifting the cap on the number of days that retirees can serve, right? That's work, That's working through the legislature. So I just want to first point out that the agreement that we just landed in January is not the only place where this work on the substitute shortage lives. Um, our substitute committee has been very active as well. We actually have a campaign right now to honor and recognize our substitutes because we need to retain them, make them feel Um, loved and cared for. So there's going to be a new Know Your Rights document for substitutes that's going to be available starting at our House of Delegates meeting next week. Um, And we have a nomination form where people can nominate um, their favorite substitutes for recognition. And in this agreement, um, CPS did agree to codify and extend some of the incentives that we had already kind of talked to them about in our joint staffing committee. So there are monetary incentives in place. Um, And the most important one, the one that I want to highlight is that Um, Previous to this agreement, CPS was offering $420 um, a a monthly stipend for increased taking of of assignments for day-to-day and provisional substitutes. They had recently rolled out a $1,000 stipend or incentive. This agreement extended that $1,000 stipend through the entirety of third quarter, so all the way through April. So any substitute who's day-to-day or provisional, who works 15 or more days in a month, in 75% of Mondays and Fridays, we'll get that $1,000 stipend. Now, pause. The first thing that anybody asks me about then is, well, what happens in January when we have the King holiday, we have the school in school improvement day, and then we have the lockout days? Well, we worked with CPS um, in order to modify the agreement for January. So for January only, as long as a, a day-to-day substitute or a provisional substitute works. of the working days, they are eligible for the $1,000. The Monday-Friday rule doesn't apply in January. Um, And by our count, there are 12 working days that a substitute could have been in front of kids after the agreement was landed. We say those are the 12 days that count. So if you work nine out of those 12 days, you should be eligible for the $1,000 stipend. Now, CPS might try to pull some nonsense about the two days um, before the uh, lockout. But we'll file grievances on that. And I think, you know, that we have a prospect because we have, um, the agreement wasn't landed until after that, right? So, you know, we're glad that that was extended throughout all of third quarter. We think it doesn't solve everything because we need better conditions in our schools. But a monetary incentive is well-deserved by our substitutes. Um, they absolutely deserve that financial support um, as, you know, they are not our highest paid members, right?
0: Definitely what do you think like the underlying causes of some of these shortages are like district-wide? It seems like it predates this.
2: Yeah. I mean, it definitely predates um, this kind of recent crisis um, and the pandemic because we know that conditions and support in our schools is uneven. Um, we already had negotiated in our 2019 contract, uh, a different kind of category of substitute for high need schools, right? Um, because some of our schools have very difficult um, student populations, they're under-resourced, and, and there's less maybe desire for substitutes to go into those environments. Um, and so, you know, we've been working on trying to address that for a long time prior to the pandemic. So, so I think the conditions prior to the pandemic are a factor. And then, of course, the health and safety of substitutes does absolutely play a, play a role, particularly because these employees could go from building to building. Um, and we we tried to, to bargain, you know, the whole 20-month period in order to try to create incentives, improve health and safety, really boost the number of CADRE has been a large number of our um, conversation has been about um, because CADRE are assigned to school buildings, right? And so we are starting to see the number of CADRE increase again, um, but this is work that CPS should have collaborated with us since before the pandemic um, and then as soon as possible, right, when when this pandemic hit us all. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Jen, for updating
1: our members and all of our listeners in reference to these, this new agreement. There's a lot of, you know, misinformation out there. So thank you for just clarifying and dispelling some of the things that people believe. And we know that your time is definitely valuable. So we thank you for being here and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And hopefully you'll come back to another episode of CTU Speaks. I'd be honored.
2: You both are both fabulous. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So sweet. She is. Thank you, Jen. All right. Now we're back with uh, two of our special guests. We've got Georgia Waller and Burma Green. They're going to be talking to us about the sub-shortage on staffing issues we've got across the city related to substitutes. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. I'm good. Nice to hear you guys.
1: It is. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We know that you have been working very hard, so thank you for being on CTU Speaks today. Thank you for inviting us. So there are many causes of sub shortages, and it's not just a CPS issue. We know that teacher sub shortages are a national issue. So how many subs are there and what is the suggested amount based on a 300,000 student population?
3: Well, right now, um, that's still uh, to be determined because um, the information that we had was somewhere around maybe 3,000 subs, but that's not the actual number because they're adding more substitutes as we speak right now. So, you know, when we do our our joint staffing uh, meeting pretty soon to see where we are. They've been adding more subs.
0: And, you know, when there was a an article in the Sun-Times where the, the CEO was talking about the reason for the sub-shortage in Chicago, and he was talking about the fact that it's a combination of issues with COVID and just the problem with the labor market in general. But, you know, when I was thinking about it, the sub-issue, it's been going on for years. I mean, years and years and years. So what do you guys think the real problem with the sub shortage in Chicago is? What's causing it? It's not just COVID and a tight labor market, like the CEO said.
4: The shortage, in my opinion, and I know I speak for a lot of my brothers and sisters, is related to the working condition that substitutes face in many schools. The working condition are not, (laughs) they're not pleasant for subs. You Maybe assign assigned one class, but you're given several classes. You are given other duties, lunchroom duties, hall duties, recess, and even security duties. So as a result, people just don't return. A lot of substitute well, I won't say a lot, but a large majority of substitutes are retired teachers. Unlike many subs that have no education background, Retired teachers and people like myself who have been in the system for a while, we know what we should be doing. Correct. When you're given other duties and in in lieu of following one teacher's schedule, you're given, forget the prep. You're given uh, another assignment on on the assigned teacher's prep. So what do our members do? You may just say, okay, I'll get through the day. And not return. And many will just leave, but they definitely will not return because it's just it's a hospital work environment. It's the way you are treated from the time you walk in the door, uh, sit down or sit over there, or I'll get to you. It's just the tone from the person that you meet when you walk into the school. And those are turn offs. People don't have to take that, so they just don't return. Uh, another issue is the lack of lesson plans. You may walk in, and since preps are optional, you don't have time to plan. You may walk in, and there's no lesson plan. And as a result, an administrator may say, Well, uh, you don't have control of the class. How can you have control and you trying to provide a lesson and, and teach all at the same time when there was none
3: left? You know, to address that first question about the subs and the number of subs. Uh, CPS had gotten rid of uh, hundreds of, of cadre subs, which has caused a problem for the shortage as
1: well. And for the, our listeners who don't know what a cadre sub is, can you explain what that means?
3: A dedicated
1: a substitute
3: to a school.
0: Right. So it's a sub that, that's there every day.
3: Yeah. They either have substitute, uh, cadre substitutes that are assigned to a school every day or they have Uh, you can uh, do at least three days to remain in the cadre pool to get benefits.
0: Okay. Verma, were you going to say something?
3: Yes, there
4: are two kinds of cadre. The first one is the cadre that have education back credential. And then the provisional cadre is a newly cadre that CPS
1: uh, implemented last year. And all they need is just a degree in any subject. Is there a reason why their CPS let go of all these cadres?
3: We don't know. They haven't explained to us uh, the reason for the elimination of those cadres. Uh, And because of the pandemic, I would have thought that they would have kept them.
0: Right. Having a regular substitute in a building seems like it'd be a huge benefit for students. The teacher gets to know the kids. And, you know, in a larger school, you're always going to have somebody out or some kind of duties that need to be done in the school. So keeping that cadre in the building is a benefit to the school, it's a benefit to the kids, benefit to the community. Um, You know, this seems like a big plus. And, you know, like you said, Georgia, especially with COVID and these kids needing all kinds of extra stability, it seems like a really silly time to pull out the stability that's there to just sort of make it an unknown quantity going forward. And
3: also what it had, what it's done is it may, it's put more stress on the staff that's already in the building. Correct. To cover. And then you have, uh, you know, principals that will not go out and, you know, get these substitutes in their building. They rather put that on the the members that are already in the building, which causes them extra stress and they can't provide the, you know, the educational process for the students that they have.
0: Right. So, how does the sub shortage impact students? I mean, it's clear how it might impact the teachers in the classroom, but how does this affect students, the fact that we have a sub shortage in the system?
4: Well, for one, learning is not happening. For instance, I'll give the example. A teacher may be out for two weeks. So, if there's a cadre, he or she could be assigned to that assignment, but you may have a different substitute. In the position every day, or you may have no one. You may have miscellaneous workers, which include the parent workers, just sitting in the class. You may have students in the gym with one substitute. There are cases where students have been in the gym with one substitute with four and 500 students. And that was
0: recently. That's crazy. That is. Just to put on my field rep hat for a minute, we're not supposed to be having seekers or parents or anybody's in a classroom because they're not certified to be in a classroom. So if that's happening at your school, please make sure you contact your field rep because that is not allowed, um, and your principal knows that. So don't let them play like they know they don't know because they do. But uh,
1: yeah, and you may be talking to Jim because Jim is a field rep, so maybe he's trying to get more work. Give him more work.
0: Yeah, please, (laughs) give me more work.
1: That's That's why it's
3: important to have a cadre in every school. And that's what we're working on.
1: So, yeah, we know there's a staffing shortage because, you know, teachers may not um, be able to come to work because of COVID or other various reasons. So what precautions are the district taking to prepare for possible increase in absence? For example, uh, there was a WBEZ analysis of data from the 2019 school year. Uh, that schools serving the majority of Black students had their substitute request filled just 64% of the time. Latino students, 68%. But for the majority of white schools, it was 93%.
0: I mean, you know, the, the inequity between the schools, um, obviously this is targeting certain neighborhoods where they're already under-resourced, and then they're not getting the substitutes. And, you know, this becomes a bigger and bigger problem, just snowballs with the students. The ones that are already under-resourced and already at risk are less likely to have substitutes and, like Burma said, be, you know, just stuffed into a gymnasium with, you know, three or 400 people um, and not learning anything, just sort of sitting there and, you know, just taking up space. Um, it's it's a crazy system. and And the, the problem is the district knows this. It's not like this is a mystery. They know this. And probably every teacher out there that's listening to this right now knows of a time where they've called in a sub. And that sub's been pulled out of their classroom. They had everything ready. I've done it many times where I had communicated with the sub, I knew who it was, we had lesson plans ready. And then they pulled that person out and put them in the science room who they they never they don't have any prep for that. They weren't ready for it. And I have nobody in my class. this happened and this is what this is what causes a huge problem for the teachers as well. Because now I've got to come back from wherever I was, and now I'm behind where I thought I was, or I'm not sure where we are. And now I've got to re-reassemble how I'm doing my classes. And it's it's just a crazy way to, to run a district. Uh
3: let me say this too. Because uh Burma and I are part of the uh substitute and displaced teachers committee for a couple of years now, we've been working with CPS to you know make the work environment better for for substitutes. And um through our, our work, we've been able to get some incentive programs going or substitutes. You know, if you go to a, a school that has a, you know, has a high need for a substitute, there's an incentive for that. If you have a need for uh, a special ed teacher, there's a, there's an incentive for that. We've been doing some, some positive things in order to try to get more substitutes in the system and to maintain the ones that we have.
1: What about increasing the rate of pay? Does, um, will that help, um, with the self shortage,
3: the incentive is is an increase in the, in the pay. If they go to a school that is a high need school, they're able to get forty five additional dollars. Uh, if they go to a school that you know, if it's a, a retiree uh, sub, if they have a special ed background, they'll get thirty five more dollars for that for that assignment. And then now they you know because of this pandemic, they've offered you know, some more incentives. So we're doing as much as we can with uh, with CPS. If Burma wants to talk about that, she can, she can elaborate more on that. If
4: benefits like vacation pay would be offered to substitute, that would also address the shortage.
0: Now, when we say vacation pay, we're talking about like the, the days that teachers get paid for like over spring break, for example, is that right? Yes. Okay, yeah. and, and what, we're, what what you guys were arguing for, if I'm right, is that just like teachers, if we work so many days, then we get credit for getting those days paid out over spring break. So substitutes and cadres ought to get that same benefit that regular teachers get. True. So, you know, we, we talked earlier in this episode with Jen Johnson going over some of the benefits for substitutes that were in the reopening agreement, but Besides pay, what else can we do for subs that would help retain high-quality subs within the classroom? Um, I know you had talked before about respect and, and how that's be, I mean how you're treated in the building. So what can we do to treat subs so they'd want to come back to the buildings and do this work?
4: Revise the substitute handbook and eliminate the statement that says no prep. Revise that, and that could be done immediately, and allow. Substitute teachers to adhere to a teacher, not several teachers. The language in the handbook, no prep, are allowed. That's just inhumane. Every job, you get a break, and by taking the preps away, you don't have time to look over the lesson plans if you have any. You don't have the time because if you have a class eight o'clock in the morning, and you don't, and your prep is eight o'clock in the morning. Well, you, you don't have time to get to prepare for your class, even though you are expected
0: to do so. Right. No, I mean, those are really good points. And that doesn't cost the district any money. I mean, revising the handbook, making it clear that that substitutes ought to follow one teacher throughout the day and not be shuffled back and forth between different duties as the principal sees fit, making sure they have that prep. I mean, this is all essentially free for the district doesn't cost them any money to do this, right? And this would show a lot more respect for the teachers and because that's what they are. Substitutes are teachers. They're there in the classroom and they're there with our students and they're there so that the regular teacher in the classroom has the ability to be out on a sick day or go to a PD or or take a take a mental health day, whatever they need. But the if we have a quality sub in that classroom, that's been able to be there because they're being treated with respect. It makes everybody's job and everybody's day quite a bit easier and better for the students and families as well. I just want to thank you guys, Georgia and Burma. Thank you guys so much for, for being here today. Yes.
1: Thank
3: you you so much. And can I say one last thing Um, in regards to uh, substitutes, you do have a committee and if you have any issues, you can direct it to, Burma, which is the, the, the chairperson, uh, Jim and I are the liaisons, and we will reach out and do whatever we can to help you guys. You're not out here alone. That's right. Let's just keep fighting. This is not a sprint. this is a marathon. This has been going on for decades with CPS, but we're here to make sure that we're you know going to take you across the finish line and get whatever we can. So thank everybody.
0: Thank you guys. Thank you very
3: much.
1: Thank you all so much.
3: Thank you for having us and for giving us a voice today. Thank Definitely. you.
4: Thank you.
1: Listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of CTU Speaks. We know we've been gone for a while, but we are mm-hmm. back, and we are back with a vengeance. So mm-hmm. please tune in as much as you can. So Jim, tell us how they can reach us if they want to contact
0: CTU Speaks. They can definitely give us a call on the phone, 312-467-8888. And I'm going to say it one more time, because Ms. Parker always says It's 312-467-8888. And what about our email address, Ms. Parker? Sure. Our
1: email address is ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org.
0: Yep. And then you can send us any ideas you've got for the show, anything you want to hear about, any kind of uh, guests you think might be interesting for us to talk to, talk with, talk about, anything like that. We'll be up on the show because we're going to have a lot more episodes coming up real soon.
1: And until then, we are CTU Speaks, where we only speak what matters. See you later.